Formula One heading to an old friend this weekend, running at Zandvoort in the Netherlands, a circuit that has not held a Formula One Grand Prix since 1985. And after the washout in Bahrain, the series will really start the second half of the season at a track that doesn't have any recent history to go off. So in that respect, this is like a brand new track, even though it has tremendous history in the sport. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony D. Thanks for joining us. A reminder to subscribe to the podcast. Also, you can like us on Facebook at the Overtake F1 podcast. You can comment on our posts. You can comment on races and other news and notes from Formula One. Also, don't forget to leave us a five-star review if you like what we do because it helps us grow this channel. This is the Dutch Grand Prix preview, and in this podcast, we're going to have our five things to watch for this weekend. Plus, we'll have track talk. We'll discuss the details of the Zandvoort circuit, and we'll also go over some news and notes of the week, including the big announcement from Wednesday that Kimi Räikkönen will retire at the end of the season. Also, what does that mean for the driver market going into 2022. All right, so let's get started. Here are five things that I'm looking forward to seeing at the Dutch Grand Prix this weekend. All right, number one, and this is a no-brainer, it's the Orange Army. This is a home crowd for Max Verstappen. This should absolutely be electric. Now, we've seen them come out in force in uh, over the years at tracks around the world, but this will be the first time he'll be racing in the Netherlands. It's a reason the series is returning there to begin with after 36 years. Now, it should be noted that Zandvoort was on the 2020 calendar, but was canceled due to COVID-19. But this really should be insane. Now, if you think like Hamilton at Silverstone or the Tifosi at Monza, this should rival or even exceed that as far as energy. Now, those home circuits for those, you know, for those teams, they know every single year that they get to go and cheer on whoever they're cheering on, whether it's Lewis Hamilton or Ferrari or whoever. But this is 36 years in the making. And with the young Dutchman on the verge of a championship, I think this is going to be great. Um, the second thing is that this is technically a new track, and I use new in quotation marks. For most of us, Zandvoort has not been a part of our Formula One history. Now, I started watching Formula One in the 1990s. I was a kid the last time this series raced there in 1985. Now, if you're brand new to Formula One, almost all the circuits are new to you, but even if you are a seasoned vet, this still might be the first time you've ever watched a race at this venue. Um, it's beautiful. It's right on the coastline. Now, some of the drivers have experienced other forms of racing at the track over the years. Lando Norris, for example, has run Formula 3 cars. A number of them have done that at Zandvoort. However, this is new as far as Formula 1 racing goes. So the machinery is new. The track sort of layout is new because they made some renovations to it. And we'll go over more in our Track Talk segment as to, as to what the highlights of the Zandvoort circuit are and some of its features. But the one thing that this track has is the potential for sand to get on the track with the wind because it's raced on sand dunes. The third thing that I'm looking forward to in the Dutch Grand Prix is the real start to the second half. The Belgian Grand Prix did not provide the answers that we were looking for coming out of the break. And while it was great to see George Russell, for example, take P2 and qualifying on Saturday, all of the questions about how the teams will be will be looking coming out of the break, they were just not settled. So we go to Zandvoort for those answers. With Lewis Hamilton now leading the championship by three points and Max racing at a home circuit, we should expect to see some dramatic racing between those 
those two drivers, one trying to hold on to a lead, another trying to overtake for the lead in front of a home crowd. We'll also get a chance to see McLaren and Ferrari fight for the P3 in the Constructors' Championship. We'll also see whether George Russell has any more goodies up his sleeve for the fans at after a podium at Spa. It was a podium with no race, but why, why get picky about these kind of things? Daniel Ricciardo had a good qualifying run at the Belgian Grand Prix. He says the break had been great for him to reset, and a second-half surge is possible for Ricardo in the McLaren. The number four thing, and I think this is really important, is qualifying. Zanvoort is narrow. It's got sweeping turns. It's going to be really hard to overtake there. This is going to put a lot of emphasis on qualifying. We've seen that in a number of tracks already this season. The drivers will not be allowed to use DRS through the final banked corner that leads to the start-finish line, which was the original intent. It's going to make overtaking even harder to do. Now, we've seen some great qualifying moments this season. Last week at Spa, George Russell put together one of the greatest qualifying laps in the history of the sport, at least in my recollection, it was as brilliant of a lap as you're going to see. To take that machinery and put it on the front row, beating Lewis Hamilton was absolutely epic. It was one for the Angels. It, again, it might have been the best qualifying given the nature of the conditions of the rain and also his car compared to the two Mercedes that, it, that he had beaten that day. But qualifying on Saturday is going to be extremely important for the Dutch Grand Prix. Number five, and, and, and I kind of tossed about this one a little bit because this is a different look for Verstappen versus Hamilton. Much of this goes back to the first thing I said, which is the full array of the full of the Orange Army in effect at the track. They're going to be cheering very loudly for their country's driver. But there is also a little bit more to that. And this is the fifth thing that I want to watch out for. It is natural to have these two and their battle to be one of the things that we look for in every single weekend, right? They're battling for the championship and they've done so in such a dramatic way. We do it all the time. But Silverstone may have been just two months ago, but it was also just three races ago. And two, if you just kind of dismiss the washout at Spa. Max has been taken out twice by Mercedes drivers, and because we didn't get a race last week in Belgium, we're still waiting to see how these two drivers are going to go head-to-head -head again. Now, if you add the adrenaline of racing for your country in front of a packed house of everybody screaming for you, it, this is a Grand Prix that is 36 years on waiting to a return, and it's also a season where the local guy could win the championship. There's booing that's going to rain down on Lewis Hamilton. He says he doesn't mind it, but you know that's going to be a factor. Max was asked about it. He says no point in telling them not to. They're going to do it anyway. This is going to add tremendous spice to the world championship race. Now, don't get me wrong. We've seen the Orange Army in Austria. We see him in Belgium. We see him around the world. But for this race in particular, 36 years between Dutch Grand Prix and Max Verstappen on the verge of a championship and having kind of a, a tangled history with the driver he's currently chasing, this could be a really big deal this weekend. All right, so those are the five things that I'm watching for in the Dutch Grand Prix coming up this weekend. Pirelli is going to use the hardest compounds for the race weekend. C1 for the hards, C2 for the mediums, C3 for the softs. The fourth time that that combination has been used this year. This circuit runs 4.2 kilometers, and the race will have 72 laps to it.
All right, now it's time for Track Talk. This is where we kind of go over the circuit and some of its characteristics. A lot of this is for new Formula One fans. For some of you that have the video game, for example, you may have run at Zandvoort. Uh, the circuit is located near the shore. It is not hosted a Formula One race, as we mentioned before, since 1985. That was won by Nicky Lauda. It features fast corners, including the first turn, which is named Tarzan. It's tight. It's banked. It's a right-hander that comes off the start-finish line. One of the characteristics that is getting a lot of attention in this circuit circuit is the banking of the corners. Turn three and then turns 13 and 14 are banked at like 19 degrees. That's that's bigger than Indianapolis. This is going to be a very, very fast circuit, but it's also very narrow in places and it doesn't have much in terms of straights. It's twisty. It's hilly. It kind of goes through the contour of the of the landscape. Overtaking is really going to be an issue here. It's one of the reasons I said qualifying is going to be so important. Track organizers have spent a lot of money on the renovations. The the banking that I mentioned should allow cars to carry a lot of speed going into the two DRS zones. Now, the first one is going to be coming off turn three, and the other is going to be coming off turn 14 into the straight and to the start finish line. The original design was into dunes, and the renovations did not want to change any of the aspects by adding straights or taking out some of the elevation changes. And I'm glad they did because it's it's sweeping. It's it's just it's a beautiful looking track. It's it really is. The final corner is named after. Dutch racer Ari Leindach. It is an 18 degrees of banking. Now it was designed so that the cars could go into that corner with DRS before they hit the straight. However, the FIA will only allow DRS to be employed coming off that corner. So it's not going to be as originally designed, but it still will be a flat out shot uh, to the straight and into the DRS zone. I am really looking forward to seeing this this track do its thing it, with the corners. And again, elevation changes, it's newness. I kind of compare my emotions to this to Magello last year. This was kind of an unknown last season, and it's neat to see a new circuit. The same feelings for this, even though it has a rich Formula One history. I kind of went back and looked at some of the old races there, and I know the track has changed and renovations have been done, but I'm a student of history, and I really wanted to see some of the, some of the great Dutch Grand Prix back in the day. I took a look at some highlights of the 1985 win by Nicky Lauda. I'm really looking forward to this. It, the track, it looks fantastic. It looked fantastic back then, and I know it changes. It should be the same. All right, some news and notes. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, that's a big deal. It's an announcement. He will retire at the end of the season. It's his 19th in Formula One. He is the last Ferrari world champion. He took the title back in 2007. And we will talk a little bit more about his legacy in a bit. But this is the first domino that falls in the driver's market conversation going forward. It's starting to look more and more like Mercedes is going to promote George Russell to replace Valtteri Bottas. Now, depending on when you listen to this podcast, that announcement could be made. But as of right now in this recording, it has not. So we all kind of get the feeling it's going to happen. Now, both drivers say they know what's going on, but no announcement has been made again as of this recording. The long rumor of Botas taking a seat at Alfa Romeo is now making sense when you take into into context the retirement of Kimi Raikkonen. This, of course, would leave a seat open at Williams. Antonio Giovinazzi's seat at Alfa Romeo is in doubt. Nick DeVries has been rumored to take a seat at either one of those teams. Alex Albon is also in the mix to take a Williams seat, making his return to Formula One. It, looked like, it looks like Nicholas Latifi will be staying with Williams. Now, let's get back to Kimi. Raikkonen began his Formula One career in 2001, and he left the sport a bit after winning a title in 2007. He has 21 Grand Prix wins in his career, his last being in 2018 at the U.S. Grand Prix. 
Now, he is a true racer, and there were many, many words that were written to describe Kimi Raikkonen. I'm not going to do it any justice. Will Buxton has a great piece at FormulaOne.com on how Kimi just didn't care about the things he couldn't control. And that really is a good way to put it. That really sums it up. Like, his radio messages over the years have created sort of memes and YouTube clips, a, a social media world that, that Kimi didn't really want to understand or really be a part of. He didn't like the media much. He really didn't like asking the questions that he got over and over again. But man, he drove the wheels off those cars. And when sports figures retire after they have a long career, it's always interesting to see the sport from when they started to when they finish, right? Like Kimi, for example, raced against Schumacher, Alonzo, Vettel, Hamilton, all each of them having an era in the sport. He still was able to get a world championship through all that. He still won his fair share of races against all of those guys. There is going to be no Nobody like Kimi Raikkonen. So let's get back to the driver market. Now, George Russell's promotion is kind of a no-brainer, right? We've been kind of talking about this for a while. He has done his time at Williams. And I've said many times on this podcast, I think the great thing about Russell's career is that he has been patient knowing what the prize is on the other end. He knew that eventually he will take that seat. He would take it if Lewis Hamilton retired. He was going to take it when they were going to part ways with Valtteri Bottas. But he had to do his time at Williams. And when you grow up in karting and you're growing up racing sort of the same young guns that the sport has now, it had to have been frustrating to see Charles Leclerc win a couple times, the success of Max Verstappen, right? To see uh, Esteban Ocon win, to see Pierre Gasly win, to see the young guys winning races, being put in positions to win races. Lando Norris is at McLaren, and although he hasn't won, he's got a number of podiums, right? To see all of that while you're in a Williams and knowing week in and week out, what exactly is your goal? Your goal isn't to win. Your your goal is just to get points. And when you get points, it's emotional. It's exciting because the team hadn't got points in a while and no one expects them to get points. And they're a backmarker team and all that. That's what George Russell has been dealing with for a long time. So I know that he knew that eventually he was going to be in a car that was going to provide him an opportunity to win world championships. So he's been patient on that. But again, you're asking a guy who's, you know, to wait and wait and wait. Eventually you got to be getting frustrated that your career is just riding in a backmarker team. Like Mick Schumacher is eventually going to race at Ferrari. We have an, an idea that that is going to happen. And when Botas is let go from Mercedes, he's got to ride in Alfa Romeo just so he can continue his Formula One career. Because even when you're racing on a backmarker team, not competing for championships, being one of the 20 best drivers in the world is still a really, really good job that pays really, really well. All right, so prediction time. I think this is going to be Max Verstappen's weekend. I think he's going to win qualifying. I think he's going to win the race. I think he's going to leave Zandvoort with the championship when we head to Monza. I think this is going to be Max Verstappen's weekend. You know, I've covered sports for a long time, different venues, different sort of sports, different athletes. And whenever there is sort of a special moment, you know, a, a player going back to a team he used to play for or playing against a former team or whatever it may be, there's always kind of a standard spin that's like, no, this isn't more important than any other uh, you know game that I'm playing. You know, yeah, there's some special moments here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see them on the other side. But, you know, it, it's like any other game. But you never buy it because it doesn't make sense. Like, of course it's important. I'm sure you've got this circled on your calendar. We're all human. It's, it, I'm sure it's more special than a week three battle against the New Orleans Saints, right? 
But in this situation, I think Max has been honest. This is very special. He's been looking forward to it. This, again, is 36 years in the making, and he is ready to put on a show. So I absolutely think this is going to be Max Verstappen's weekend. Just one quick note, when we do, when I do predictions at the, uh, in these preview podcasts, I always are under the assumption that all of the cars will finish. We won't have a big pile up in the first corner or anything like that, or mechanical failure. I'm not going to predict any of those when those happen, right? They throw the prediction for a loop. I'm talking straight up. All the laps are in the books and no, there's been no extra circumstance that dictated the outcome. All right, one last bit of news. The Miami Grand Prix, which is set to hit the calendar in 2022, uh, has been named. The circuit around the Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play is going to be known as the Miami International Autodrome. Uh, It'll be 5.4 kilometers long. It's going to feature 19 corners. There's three straights. There's a possibility for three DRS zones. Uh, There's going to be some high speeds in this one. Uh, So it's going to hit the calendar next year. I know Formula One is just absolutely thrilled to go go to Miami. I'm still wondering how it's going to affect the U.S. Grand Prix. That's in another situation in Austin about getting renewed. I hope it does because I would love to see two races in the United States. I mean, they're expecting over 100,000 people down in Miami. They've had 150,000 inquiries for tickets and hospitality. Uh, This is the 11th location in the United States that will be hosting a Formula One race in the sports history going back to 1950, which includes Sebring, Riverside, Watkins Glen, Vegas, Dallas, Phoenix, Indianapolis, of course, and now and also Austin. So a date has not been confirmed yet, but this race will take place over a 10 year deal. So that's another bit of news and notes. So once again, uh, subscribe to the podcast. If you like what we're doing, leave us a five-star review. We would love it because it helps us promote. We've been growing ever since we started this thing in April. Also, we have a Facebook page. You can find us at the Overtake F1 Podcast. And you like the page. And also just sort of let us, you know, you can comment on the stories that we post. We do talk about the races. So your opinions on the races, including what happened in Belgium or what is going to happen this week in the uh, Dutch Grand Prix are always welcome. So we'd love to see you there. So enjoy the races this weekend, the Dutch Grand Prix from Zandvoort. I know for a lot of us, it is going to be a new experience to see that circuit. So listen in next week, early part of next week for the full Dutch Grand Prix review, as we will have that as soon as we can after the conclusion of the race on Sunday. I'm Tony D, and this is the Overtake F1 podcast.